Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus himself said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. The Gospel of Matthew is a gospel on the kingdom of the heavens. One of the most difficult things for believers to understand is the kingdom of the heavens. It does not correspond to any natural or religious concept. It refers to something very specific. To understand the kingdom of the heavens, we all need to be unloaded of our traditional thoughts and concepts from the past. Francis Ball has joined us again today as we come to a portion on the Kingdom of Heavens dealing with its constitution. Interesting topic, Brother Francis. I'm glad you're here with us today. Well, I'm glad to be here, too. This is a very interesting topic. We've come to a well-known, but probably not well-understood, I think that's fair to say, a portion of the New Testament, Francis, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And these these chapters are often referred to as, oh, the Sermon on the Mount, or sometimes called the Beatitudes. But today we're going to hear this portion identified as the constitution of the kingdom of the heavens. This is a term that we usually think of in the context of a nation or government. Why are we applying it here to the kingdom of the heavens? Well, my understanding of this now, Chris, is that we're applying this matter of the constitution to the kingdom of the heavens because it is a kingdom. And any kind of government or any kind of kingdom needs a constitution. And without the constitution... uh, People don't know how to go on. They don't know how to interrelate. They don't know what they're here for. They don't know how to uh, go on and uh, produce some kind of uh, real meaning in a corporate way to their living. Mm -hmm. So that's really what these chapters do for us. They really show us a lot that we never realized before. I believe, at least I was, and I believe many people are like this, we got hung up, I would say, on what's called the Beatitudes to be this and to be that. <laughs> they are the Beatitudes. But uh, this goes much deeper than that. Right. And this Constitution, I think we'll see a lot in Brother Lee's message today, how important it is that we not only know this Constitution, but that we are living under such a Constitution. Hmm. You know, I was uh, as you were talking there about the, how the Constitution matches or goes along with any kind of realm of government or nationhood or kingdom. If the constitution of a uh, society or a nation is at one level, but the nature of the people is uh, significantly different than that, then the constitution becomes somewhat of a vain document, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And uh, a person may live in that country or under that kingdom or in that realm and yet not pay any attention to the constitution. He would be a rather uh, a useless citizen. 
Well, Francis, back in chapter 3, as John the Baptist was first recommending Jesus, he told people to repent for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. Now in chapter 5, we're going to see this term, the kingdom of the heavens, used again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. A very specific term with a lot of light behind it. Let's join Witness Lee. From this message, we are on the constitution of the kingdom of the heavens. And this is recorded in these three chapters, 5, 6, and 7. Through the years, these three chapters mostly have been misunderstood or misused by Christians. The harder thing for us, the believers, to know is this kingdom of the heavens to come to the understanding of the kingdom of the heavens, we all must be unloaded, unloaded with all those traditional concepts which we have picked up from the background of religious concept. If you are going to understand Matthew, you must learn to differentiate the kingdom of the heavens from the kingdom of God. The kingdom is just a reign, a ruling. Then the kingdom of God is just the divine ruling. God's ruling from eternity past to eternity future. Then what is the kingdom of the heavens? Okay, the kingdom of the heavens is composed with two sections. The church and the upper part of the millennium. Because the kingdom of the heavens is a part of the kingdom of God. So sometimes the kingdom of the heavens is also called the kingdom of God. Just like California is a state of the USA. So sometimes when people coming to California, they say they are coming to the USA. But USA is not California. The kingdom of the heavens may be called the kingdom of God, but not the kingdom of God to be called the kingdom of heavens. If you read Matthew carefully, in chapter 21, I believe, verse 43, it says, the kingdom of God will be taken from Israel. That means the kingdom of God was with Israel there already. So the kingdom of God was there. But John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near, not come yet. So you can see on the one hand, the kingdom of God was there. But on the other hand, the kingdom of the heavens was not there yet. The kingdom of the heavens has only drawn near, not came yet. Until the day of Pentecost. Now you have to see the kingdom of the heavens is composed with these two sections. The first section is the church. And the second section is the upper part of the millennium. And all real Christians 
are in the church today. But only the overcoming Christians will be there in the heavenly part of the millennium. This is the kingdom of heaven. Francis said, I'd like to spend a little more time on this point. Uh, It's very meaningful, and particularly to really understand Matthew, it's critical. The Bible talks about the kingdom of God in a general way, and as he pointed out, even in Matthew later chapters, this term is used. But specifically, Matthew uses another term, the kingdom of the heavens. To really understand this book, the first thing that we need to see is that these terms are not interchangeable completely, are they? No, and I think an illustration that Brother Lee gave about California and the United States really helps us to see that the kingdom of God is a broad term that includes from eternity to eternity. God certainly rules. But when we get to the New Testament, there is a different emphasis here and a different uh, term that's used to describe people who are really under the specific ruling of God by his constitution. Mm. So I think that's the reason Brother Lee has pointed out that these three chapters are really the constitution of the kingdom people. Now, the kingdom people doesn't mean that other people are not under God's ruling, but it means there's a specific identification of those who are under the heavenly rule or the kingdom of the heavens, as that term is used here, more so than generally people are just under God's overall rule. Certainly God rules Mm -hmm. in everything. Even in the Old Testament, we saw that many times, that God rules. But it's one thing to be ruled even by a government. It's quite another thing to be constituted, be under the constitution of that government. I think it's very necessary that we see the difference in these terms as they're used in Matthew, because here he's presented as the king. And a king must have a kingdom, and that kingdom must be in the nature of the king. So uh, there's lots in this that a person would really need to read the whole message and even the life studies to get the full impact. But at least at this point, we need to see that there is a big difference between the kingdom of God in a general sense and the kingdom of the heavens in a specific sense. So we can say, and I think as is brought out by these uh, these points in the so-called Beatitudes, that those who are specifically living as constituents or members of the kingdom of the heavens are under the direct moment-by-moment ruling of the king of that kingdom. That's right. In this case, the king of that kingdom wants to put his own life and nature into all of his subjects so they live the kind of life that he is in himself as the ruler. Francis, let's go on in this coming section and look a little more deeply at this matter of the constitution of the kingdom. Here again is Witness Lee. Where this decree of the constitution was given, or where the constitution was decreed, it was decreed on the high mountain. This is quite meaningful. The crowd with those disciples were called where? On the seashore. On the shore around the sea. That signifies what? That signifies the people around this rotten world by Satan. 
we got called. All of us got called when we were around the uh, Satan corrupted world to make a living, right? We were called there. But after being called, the crowds were led up, were brought up to a high mountain. The crowds and the disciples were called on the seashore. And then they were brought to the mountain. This signifies the kingdom of the heavens is not established on the seashore, but on the mountain. In the Bible, the mountain does have such a significance that the mountain many times signifies the kingdom. For instance, in Daniel 2, the piece of stone that will smash all the nations of this earth will become a great mountain that fills up the earth. And that great mountain will be the millennial kingdom. Mountain in the Bible signifies the kingdom, especially the kingdom of the heavens. So here, the Lord Jesus brought the people, the crowds, and his disciples from the seashore to the high mountain. There's another significance. That is, if we are going to listen to this decree, the constitution of the kingdom of the heavens, we cannot stay on the plain. We have to go up. We have to climb up to the high mountain. We need to get uh, to a higher level, to a higher plain. On the seashore, what the Lord did was just a calling. Follow me. That was all. Then he led them all to the mountain. To follow the Lord is something easy. But to listen to the Constitution and to get into the very establishment of the kingdom of the heavens, it needs some climbing. You and I, we all have to climb up, up, up to the high mountain. Well, Francis, I guess that means you and I also need to climb up this high mountain if we're going to get into this constitution, don't we? I believe so. I know that that's the feeling I get in what he said. It's not a matter of choice if you want to be with him. These three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as we've been seeing, present us with the Constitution. The location of his giving of this Constitution really is meaningful. He gained the people by the seashore, uh, in the low place, so to speak, but he took them up the mountain that was adjacent to the sea. Why was it necessary, Francis, for the disciples to climb this mountain with the Lord in order to receive the Constitution? Well, there's certainly more to just responding to the Lord in his invitation, come follow me. We all know that there are many Christians who really responded to the Lord's call, come follow me. And as Brother Lee pointed out, that is not so difficult. As a matter of fact, it's quite easy to respond to the Lord's invitation, so warm, so welcoming, so forgiving. But there's more to his salvation than just getting us freed from sin and uh, seeking to follow the Lord 
in a general way. So it's necessary for him to take us away to a high place. And in the Bible, as he pointed out, that a mountain quite often is used as a type of the kingdom. So he took them into this kind of scene, and the ones who followed him there to get this kind of constitution given to them were those who would go on with him, go higher with him. Actually, all Christians should be kingdom people, but to be a kingdom person, it means that we follow him not only in an outward way at the seashore where we were called, but that we go all the way, climbing, 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 to be where he is, where he opens up all this marvelous truth about his kingdom and what kind of nature these people would have, what kind of conduct they would have. So many points about these kingdom people are brought out in these three chapters. You know, Francis, uh, verse 1 here says, And when he saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came up to him. I think we had the impression, at least I did, until uh, he pointed out in in one of these uh, messages, that the whole crowd followed him up the mountain, but really wasn't so. Uh, It was only the disciples at that time that followed him. Certainly, they weren't the only ones in Israel who acknowledged that the kingdom of God existed, but yet these were really the ones at that time who were in the kingdom of the heavens. That's right. They were the ones that went on with him, those living under his constitution. So we'd like to be those kind of people. We all need to be the disciples that are willing to climb. That's right. Let's go back to Witness Lee, Francis. We're going to look a little further at this uh, very well-known verse, Blessed are the poor in spirit. These 10 verses describe nine aspects concerning the nature of the kingdom people. Many, many teachers, when they touch these sections of the word, they didn't see the kingdom of heavens is firstly related to our spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit, it doesn't mean you have a poor spirit. Then, what is to be poor in spirit? That means, ah, we would uh, empty our spirit. We met different kind of people. My, you realize today, all kinds of Christians, they are loaded. Loaded with what? Loaded with everything, but not with the kingdom of the heavens. When the Lord Jesus came, he preached, Repent! Repent! For the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. Not many could take that in. Because nearly all of them were filled up. Just filled up. So, when the Lord captured the crowds, especially when he captured the disciples on the mountain, The opening word of this decree was that you must have what? A spirit emptied of everything. You must be poor in your spirit. You have nothing there. Oh, we have to be poor in our spirit. Lord, unload me. Lord, and load me. Empty my spirit, Lord. Empty my spirit. I don't like to keep anything in my spirit. I like to give you the full capacity in my spirit. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. We got one blessing. And the number one blessing. Oh, how do you for the number one blessing? Oh, how good it is to be poor in our spirit. May we all say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs Amen. I hope all of our listeners joined in there, Francis, on that uh, marvelous way to conclude his speaking. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. This begins a very well-known section in the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, really. Um, It's often called the Sermon of the Mount or the Beatitudes. But when we read this verse at the beginning, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. Francis, there's a key here. What is it to be poor in spirit? Chris, this is really the key to our whole Christian life. If we haven't discovered our spirit and become aware of how much our spirit is filled with so many things, we will surely miss the real blessing of God's constitution that's given here. It's quite interesting that this is the first of nine points about uh, what the nature of the kingdom people is. And To start here is the starting point for our being overcoming believers. That is, to be poor in spirit. And I like what Brother Lee said here, and I'd like to repeat it myself. Oh, I want my spirit to be full of Him. All the capacity of my spirit to be available to Him. Right. Mm. So I believe if we have this kind of way and this kind of attitude as we get into these chapters here, we see so much depends on our openness, beginning with our spirit and spreading to our whole being to be one with the Lord and let him make home in our hearts, as Paul said. But here, the main thing is our spirit to be open, be poor in spirit without all the things that crowd in to occupy us. Drop them. Mostly religious things keep us from being poor in spirit because we all want to be good and we want to do right. But sometimes that can fill us up and leave the Lord out. So to be poor in spirit means that I open myself to this blessing. Oh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Wasn't his simple prayer here really touching? I realize you were touched too. You wanted to repeat it. I had the same desire. We have to be poor in our spirit. Lord, unload me. Lord, empty my spirit. Empty my spirit. I don't like to store anything in my spirit. I want to give you the full capacity in my spirit. I'm stirred up, Francis. I need to make this a part of my daily prayer routine. I also need to do that. Thank you so much for being with us again. Uh, Wonderful life study of Matthew that we're in, isn't it? It really is marvelous. We're going to be in uh, these three chapters on the Constitution of the Kingdom for several programs. There's so much here that we're just entering into. Very much an introductory program today into this portion, a key portion in the book of Matthew. We hope you'll be with us for as many of these programs as possible. For those that you miss, probably the best thing is if you had the printed Life Study volume. And we begin today volume number two of the Life Study of Matthew and hope that you'll contact us to find out how you can receive these Life Study printed volumes as well with the detail and a lot of development. Marvelous explanation is would be a big asset to 
your enjoyment of these programs. In addition, we'd just like to hear from you and get your comments and your reactions to the programs that we're bringing to you each day. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's toll-free, 888-543-3788. You can always write to us. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121 in Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send us your email to radio at lsm.org. We look forward to being back with another live study from the book of Matthew. And once again, for Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.